Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. Glad you could join us for this episode. I'm your host, Bob Marshall. Here we share stories from the road, all tales from our two-wheeled motorcycle machines. Whether you're a beginner or advanced rider, on-road or off-road, wrencher, racer, commuter, or just a weekend warrior, this is the podcast for you. Named after the book, American Roadrunner. Enjoy, my fellows. In case you haven't noticed, some of us have been on vacation and some of us are still on vacation. Hence why we haven't put a podcast up in a while. We've been out enjoying the good weather of the country. Today, we're pretty darn excited on this episode. If you remember the last episode, I spoke about one Oregon run I got to race up to. So today we are fortunate enough to have Adam, one of the creators and the man behind the Oregon run, on a nice phone interview and we're gonna hear all about it adam how the hell are you brother i'm doing great bob how are you tonight oh i gotta tell you it's been a little warm lately and uh boy i just got back into town i've been (laughs) i've been running running all over the place uh gosh i've probably done a good ten thousand miles since i saw you up in oregon so yeah you got another 1k challenge in didn't you oh i sure did (laughs) yeah yeah, that was really exciting. I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking more about that in the next podcast. So for all the listeners out there, please know a 1K record has been claimed, but we'll hear about that soon enough in the next podcast. Today, let's talk about Oregon and the Oregon Run. You uh, happen to be the mastermind. This was Oregon Four that you just had, right? Yeah, this was year number four. Nice, nice. Well, let's let's start at the beginning. How'd you come up with this super cool uh, gypsy style route? Oh, it was just years of pondering and thinking and reading magazines and reading about other events. And I moved to Portland about eight years ago, and it took me a while to find some people to ride with, uh, people who liked motorcycles to hang out with. And uh, yeah, the easiest way to meet people uh, was going to different events and. The type of events I wanted to go to were a little bit limited. There weren't a ton of them around at the time. And so I started thinking over a few years, once I started having people to ride with, that uh, I started thinking how it would be nice to kind of give something back to the community that had welcomed me and uh, by putting on an event. And then my daughter was born, and it kind of kicked a little motivation into my butt. And so I decided to just give it a shot. I knew some people at that point and figured I could put together a little raffle. And yeah, and I just knew that. If I was going to do an event, I wanted it centered around actually riding the, riding motorcycles because the people I'd always bonded with the most and spent the most time with, like after meeting them at an event, were the people that I shared miles with. So um, I kind of modeled the idea after El Diablo or the Gypsy Run that was on the East Coast, uh, the idea that we would change campsites every location and spend the whole day right. on the road. Well, that that was a real exciting part for me. I mean, I raced a thousand miles against charlie which everyone already knows i lost if you haven't read the article in chop cult or cycle source magazine or online or man i think russ brown's even (laughs) even (laughs) releasing an article about it but regardless the man kicked my butt which y'all heard about in the last podcast but it was great to you know in somewhere dinner's taken care of set up camp uh hang out get some sleep 
wake up the next morning, pack it all up, and ride a few hundred miles to the next campsite. And that went on, what, Friday night, Saturday night? Oh, no, was it Saturday? Yeah, Friday night, Saturday night, night, Sunday night, yep. That's right, that's right. Well, certainly my idea of a really freaking good time. (laughs) Yeah, mine too. uh, And we couldn't have asked for better weather. I don't think we got any, no, we didn't get any rain. Everything was absolutely perfect. Yeah, we really lucked out too, doing it a little early this year in June instead of July and heading to the the Oregon coast. We, We knew we were rolling the dice on the weather and... Honestly, coming up to it, I was expecting a pretty soggy run uh, of it. But, yeah, we lucked out. Just beautiful sunshine all the way through. Well, it is pretty exciting how many people you have behind, you know, what what you're doing. I mean, all the volunteers. And you limit it to only 150 tickets, right? Yep, 150 riders. And that's great. Then you have how many volunteers do you have? working behind you so we had uh six staff uh core staff leading all the way up to the run uh the weekend of the run we had two more staff positions uh supporting the lead vehicle and a gentleman driving chase truck for for my staff and my volunteers in case any of them broke down so we could get them to camp for their shifts and then and then yeah and then we employed another we had another 12 actual volunteers on the run helping us out at campsites well, it, it was pretty exciting because everywhere you went, everything was taken care of. The route was already there. Now, it started in uh, in Coos Bay, which is in southwest Oregon, right? Yeah, well, technically it started in Portland. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, yeah, because you did the one can a day challenge, uh, everybody who did, and this year we had seven uh, people attempt and complete the ride one can a day challenge to the first campsite. Man. So their first night was in Coos right. Bay, but the rest of us, uh, met up in the morning in Portland at the Jupiter hotel for registration. One of our sponsors yeah. this year donated that space to us and let us park all their bike, all of our bikes in both their driveway parking lot. And even in the little, um, they have like a garden atrium area where they, we were doing registration and they let us have people pull their bikes in and line them up there as well. And, uh, we just flooded yeah. that place with motorcycles. It was it was pretty awesome. Well, sorry I missed it, but it was very nice to be one of the seven who did the ride one k in a day as passed down from one Mr. Curtis Morgan uh, self challenge. Uh, I know you know the first night we were all up on stage. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. My favorite was still the what it was the white elephant gifting he did. He put a bunch of swag and souvenirs and whatnot in bags, and then we all. Got to exchange bags and then trade bags, and you could steal stuff from the next guy, and other people stole stuff from me. And well, my bag, I could feel. I think I think one of my books was in it. I could like feel it in the bag. You weren't supposed to look in the bag. And then another guy came up with, oh, he, he had a sweater, and I I didn't bring a sweater. I just had my jacket and my my suit anyway. So I just said, wow, you know what? I might need that, or I'm going to freeze tonight. So let me steal that, and here you can have this. Of course, he opened the bag. He's like, oh, I got your book. Could you sign this for me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great, man. Yeah, and Curtis what is a great. Uh, uh, Curtis is also the official photographer of the Oregon Run, uh, mm. and has been since basically the beginning of it. Well, we always forget about that. That Curtis is a photographer first and foremost. What's his IG handle for that? Uh, uh, Ramble on. Ramble on Ramble photography. Ramble on photo. Yeah. That's right. Man, he does some really good work. Yeah, he does. I know. Uh, yeah, I think it was the second day him and I went out for a ride, and, and he can actually ride, and he'll set the bike on cruise control, and I'd look over, and he'd 
have both hands on the camera taking pictures of me. Yeah. I thought, well, that's really cool. Yeah. On the first, you know? uh, on the first year we were on the last day, we were near Crater Lake. And so we were, we'd stop for lunch and then we're heading up to Crater Lake. And, uh, he was in a truck that year with a friend who had a broken leg and couldn't ride, but he could drive a little bit. And so Curtis asked him to mm. take the wheel and he jumped on the back of my bike. So he could take photos uh, from the road on our way up to Crater Lake and uh nice. man i just remember like he's he's standing on the rear sets you know twisting every which direction adjusting his angle yeah. shooting and and that was crazy and then the first time we rode in a group that he was actually shooting photographs i remember yeah the same thing you look up and he's in front of you but he's turned around completely on his bike two hands on the camera right. just clicking away what a talented individual that friend curtis yes of ours he is, is. Well, and he uh, just moved to New York, so if anyone happens to be in New York and needs some good photos, he would be the one. Absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed the uh, no, I, I really enjoyed the gypsy style. The first night was in Coos Bay. The second night was in what was it called? Yakets, Yanets. Yeah, second night we went up to Yahats. Yahats. I don't think anybody said that correctly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think everybody everybody said it wrong. All I remember is that there was no damn gas station in the town, so no. we had to. Yeah, for some reason, I, well, I was riding with Charlie and his lovely wife Kayla at that point, and we all needed gas, and there was no damn gas station. <laughs> so we all ended up going, I think, whatever, 20 miles north to the next town and finding gas up there. You know, wonderful. I think that was where they had that sauna house, and uh, yeah, what do you call that? That hot house. Yeah, yeah, wood fired, wood fired dry sauna. Yeah, that was great because then everybody would jump out and go running across the lawn and jump into the pond yeah you said it was a, a a natural pond wasn't it yeah so that yeah that pond is spring fed and then the owner was telling me they also route uh, a pipe from a stream that runs a little bit above his property wow just amazing yeah well i'm explaining all this you know down here in southern california uh whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting over we just don't have that kind of water you know hanging around so it was terribly exciting to be part of it uh more exciting to watch Ex certain amounts of people run naked across the uh, yard to jump into the cool pool after being in that hot house so uh the third night we went even more north yeah so third where was that at third night put us uh just outside portland by about half an hour in a little town called malino Malino, that's right. It was great to see all the Christmas trees they have around there. Yeah, you know, just a great ride between between here and there. Well, I, I give you just a ton of credit. Um, obviously, I think I think the answer is you know you always show up to different events and you never know exactly how the event will be. Uh, it's nice to see all the great motorcycles. I really enjoyed just the stream of different motorcycles that you guys had. And the stream of, of different people as well. I mean, there were so many different people Yeah, from all walks of life. But everybody was way cool. There wasn't any uh, real showboating. Uh, you know, everybody was just, just there to ride and camp yeah, and, it, and relax. It's always been a, a real point of pride for us, the uh, variety of styles of motorcycles and riders that we get on the run every year. Right. When I moved to Oregon, uh, I... I came from the Midwest. I had a big Harley Softail Springer, which I still have. And I used to get uh, poked fun of for having a Harley, which was the exact opposite of being in the Midwest. <laughs> you got poked fun of it for not having a Harley. <laughs> sure. um, so, yeah. yeah, I got here, and it's, you know, roads don't necessarily go very straight here. And uh, you can no. hit a lot of uh, logging trails or 
uh, gravel roads if you're not careful. And so, uh, yeah, having a big cruiser was definitely not the norm at the time. And it's become more popular since I've been here. But it was, I sure. recognized that the first year that this was not going to be a particular, it wasn't going to be a chopper run. It wasn't going to be a Harley run. If it no. was going to work, it had to just be a motorcycle run. And so we marketed that way from the beginning we want it our our motto is uh we don't care who you are and we don't care what you ride as long as you're down to put down the miles and have a good time at the end of the day then you're our people and it's great because we have everything sport bikes and sport tours adv bikes uh they certainly had a lot of extra fun on the coast this year with you know some nice logging roads and stuff and we just get every single type big baggers little choppers if you can think of it it's there Oh, and it and it was wonderful to see how everybody would use different methods to, you know, pack up their camping gear uh, and pack up their cutlery. Oh, I know that was a big thing, too. You had to bring your own cutlery, your own dinner plate, you know, knife, fork, spoon, whatever, which I did not have. I ended up using Kayla's. <laughs> yeah, Kayla, Kayla would eat and then hand me hers, and then I'd, I'd eat. I worked pretty well, actually, but, boy, that, that was a real good idea just to keep Yeah, we noticed after recycling. the first two, the uh, amount of trash we would generate just off of paper plates and plastic cutlery was um, just bags yeah. and bags of it. And so going into year three, we decided to uh, limit that as much as possible. So started asking everybody to bring a mess kit, and um, which I also forgot this year. <laughs> And all the preparation nice. and packing. Nice. I went up to dinner night one and was like, oh, that's because I always forget something. And that's what it was this yeah. year. So, Well, I think it's a great idea. And I'm just going to start carrying a mess kit with me everywhere I go. I'll pack it in with my clothes. I mean, I, I don't need to eat much anyways, obviously, with my my shape of such. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to producing less waste in that regard in the future when it comes to super cool motorcycle events and gypsy runs like like you had let's do this why don't you give a good shout out to all the good people who are uh, staffing and helping you work out because i gotta tell you they were all awesome and yeah i just can't say enough good things about everybody so hit yeah. it so yeah this year um so up until this year it has basically been uh my wife jess and i uh running the whole show uh, she was and, so wonderful can we just stop there we really should be talking to jess not adam because that <laughs> woman was so freaking awesome she was on everything you know anytime you needed something i mean she just worked so darn hard yeah she is fantastic this run would not be i don't even know if it would be po- uh, possible without her at this point so amen so she handles all of our marketing uh anything you see websites instagram facebook um so you can find those at Oregon Run on Instagram, uh, Oregon Run on Facebook, OregonRun.com online. So she curates all that, takes care of all of our marketing, our messaging. Uh, and then on top of that, she uh, heads up coordination with people who have bought tickets leading up to the run. So people who right. maybe are looking for a ticket after we sell out or someone who bought a ticket and last minute can't go. Um, she handles that coordination and makes sure our, our list is set up uh, nice and tight for registration. We have everybody's information, food allergies, any medical right. alerts we need, any anything we could possibly need to know about them on the road in case of an emergency she has covered. And then, yeah, she just heads up the lead vehicle, and so she's kind of command central during the whole thing. She runs registration. Um, she was doing merch sales this year. Yeah, she's all over the place, um, and she's fantastic. She's all over the place. Yeah, just rocking. If if we can step back for a minute, how, how fast did your tickets sell out for this year's? 
Uh, this year we set a new record when we sold out in three minutes. Yeah, that's a pretty popular event, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, who else you got helping you out there? Again, leading up to this year, we had a couple of friends, uh, Corey Fox, who just goes by Fox, and our friend yeah. Adam Smith, and they were always there leading up to the run in the months uh, leading up on the run, stepping in where they could to help out. So when we knew we were starting with an official actual staff um, and bringing them into the fold, we, we knew those two for sure were coming aboard. And Adam handed, yeah. handled all the route planning. So all the routes and sites that were mentioned in the lead-up emails on the website, that was all Adam. He earned himself a new nickname the last uh, week leading up to the run this year. We'd, his new nickname is Crunch Time because he's just nice. that guy. Anytime you need something last minute, you're like, Adam, what about this? And he's like, I got you. And 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, he's got a solution. Nice. <clears throat> and then he was heading up the morning crew on the run itself as well. And then Fox we brought in for uh, some logistics and operations. So uh, when we toured the sites ahead of time, you know, he was plotting out where everything needed to be set up and pr so everything could flow properly and where we had access to yeah. water, where we had access to power, um, making sure our loads were all strapped down proper before we left camp. So nothing was moving around in the back of the trucks and uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, where we, where we needed him also input on routes. Uh, he, he's grown up here uh, like Adam knows every road. So, and then we brought on our friend Seth Paddock, he was running our night shift to this year on the run leading up to it. Nice. He was uh, really helping me with uh, sponsors and raffle donations. And he'll be taking that over fully next year as I make introductions and hand it off. And then uh, finally for staff, we had uh, Stuart Young, who was actually our chase truck driver last year. Uh, yeah, got back yeah, from yeah, doing yeah. the run chase truck driving. And we had a lot of breakdowns last year and he worked real hard and, we always say he should have walked away from that, cursing our names never to be seen or heard from again. Right. And instead he went out, <laughs> right. took the motorcycle safety course, bought himself a motorcycle, jumped right on board his staff. And uh, unfortunately, That's he didn't awesome. get to make his first run on a bike because a few days beforehand, he had a big old truck cut him off and he had to lay it down to not get run over. And um, so we didn't see him until the last night in Milano where he came out to say hi. And as sore as he was, he was more heartbroken than anything, I think. So... So that's a real trooper though. Yeah. And he's been, uh, he's headed up bones of the new event we're working on, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, he really just mm, has been running with that for us while we were all the rest of us were concentrating, uh, on getting the run this year going. So yeah. yeah. And then, uh, like I mentioned, then when we actually got to the weekend of the run, uh, our friend Katya, uh, was in the lead truck with Jess helping with registration, um, at camp, you know, negotiating roads, driving so Jess could have access to her phone and the yeah. internet. So yeah, you know, I, I remember her. She sought me out. She's a, a you know an amateur writer, as as a lot of people are, as I, I was, or maybe I still am. Who knows? But anyway, I, I ended up hanging out after the run. I was hanging out in uh, Portland for a few days with my cousin. And I went to CeCe's, and she ended up being there. I guess she lives right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So that was great, man. Her and I had some great conversations. And I'm mentioning it because there's a lot of people who like to write. And if even if you're not writing in the style of, you know, adventure nonfiction like I'm doing, it's okay to share in writing. It's no different than 
playing music or riding motorcycles. It's all it's all really good stuff. So uh, it was real exciting to meet her and, and chat writing techniques. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah, she was a good one. She yeah. was working hard. And on the run, she uh, kind of became the uh, unofficial camp nurse. She had a bunch of... Uh, right. You know, some first aid and some homeopathic remedies. She had that that amazing balm she made, that CBD balm. And yeah, she was sure. burns, cuts, sore backs, sore bums. Like, it just was taking care of everything. I swear, every every morning someone would wake up with something somewhere and be like, have you seen Katya? Does she have that balm? <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, over there. Right. So, and then. That's great. Yeah, and then for our support vehicle, we had our, our good friend, uh, Joey Sturtz. He was, uh, he lent us his big old uh cummins diesel pickup truck and hauled the trailer and was there to help yeah uh, that dude was awesome yeah there to help pick up bikes when he needed to and which was luckily not a lot this year and we had gotten rid of the official chase truck this year um but we knew we needed something to get staff and volunteers to site to work in case they had you know their bikes malfunction or break down so uh and he was just a whole lot of fun at camp but he was just a whole ball of joy and unbridled energy and enthusiasm for the whole of oh yeah the dude's like six six i mean he's taller than me yeah. which is pretty rare giant. so it's pretty he's a giant it was great to hang out with him and i know the one time uh, charlie broke down believe it or not charlie breaks down after we're racing we're on the side of the road yeah he came up like well everybody kind of passes i just had to wave everybody on charlie just had to replace the switch right quick it was it was good to know he was available. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, I think only one or two people kind of needed him, really. So yeah, it did pretty good. Uh, that's a good point, though. You bring up Bob uh, when you're on the side of the road and someone comes, you can tell someone's slowing down, looking to pull over. You know, these days. Oh and man! I know I always slow down. I always want to stop. Uh, cell phones are not these days. You know, if I can help, Amen. if I have a tool, whatever, or even if I can just keep them company right. for a little bit while they wait for a chase truck, but. Yeah, it is always nice to get the thumbs up and the wave on when they don't need you. Yeah, we'll definitely use that as uh, this episode's uh, tech corner, even though it's not very techy. I preach it all the time, and I wish more people would. And the answer is, if you're on the side of the road and a motorcyclist passes you, they're going to try to stop, and you have to either give them a thumbs up and a wave, hey, I'm okay, life is good, or feel free to just wave your hand and wave them over. You know, if, if you need them, whether it be a tool or, or whatever. I know why, why Charlie was sitting on the ground looking for the switch in his bag. It's just his on-off switch, and he, he figured it was going bad. So, uh, anyways, I was just sitting on the side of the road just giving everybody a good thumbs up, and that's that was probably the most help out of everything. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's okay. I, I've had to do it a lot where I'm wrenching next to the motorcycle and i'm just sitting there throwing my thumb up in the air anytime i hear a bike go by i agree because sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere cell phones don't work maybe your cell phone doesn't work maybe you're you know whatever it may be you know we're all we're all part of the same team that is the end of bob's tech corner for this episode <laughs> so yeah mm. that uh, that rounds out our staff for this year um and again we had uh, 12 volunteers um that worked a couple of shifts you know throughout the weekend whether it be nighttime or morning yeah. time helping us make sure food was stocked up water was stocked up beer was stocked up uh cleaning up helping us unload and load trucks you know yeah i think you just had the two trucks right you had that big u-haul looking thing and then yeah a van or something oh and then a chase truck yeah, yeah. so we had the chase truck and then we had a box truck this year which was mm. a game changer for us uh 
everything fitting in one vehicle, easy to drive, uh, a, a hydraulic lift gate to save our legs a little bit towards the end of the <laughs> end of the weekend when we're sure, all running on sure. fumes and. But yeah, uh, That's great. it's a lot. It's a lot of logistics. Obviously, changing campsites every single night, uh, providing oh, it, trying to provide as much. I as couldn't we even can. imagine. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, you're just above and beyond, and I think that's why I was so excited about it. Yeah, so when people roll into camp, you know, the rule is beer's got to be cold. Nobody wants to put down their kickstand and have to wait for beer or drink a warm one after riding all day, uh, if they're so inclined. Well, and you, yeah, you had your own beer this year, didn't you? We did. So uh, we are sponsored by Ten Barrel Brewing out of Bend, uh, Oregon. Um, They have locations, uh, I think California, a couple in Oregon, Idaho even. Um, but yeah, they, they came on board last year and this year they wanted to brew, brew us a beer specifically for the event. So we got to go down a couple of months, uh, about three months before the event and anybody who held a ticket at that point was invited and we had about 20 people show up and they got to decide flavor profile. They got to name the beer. Yeah, it was, they got a tour of the facilities We're they're drinking beer the whole time. So yeah, it was a really great event. Right, right. And it, and it was really a successful beer this year, too. We, I was talking to um, Bobby Jackson, who's the head innovative brewer there, and our our contact, our point of contact. Um, we got an email from him last year while we were trying to sort out beer sponsorship, basically saying, I've been trying to get a, a ticket to this for two years, and I haven't been able to. If you're looking for beer sponsorship, right. I'm in. I'm going to buy my way into a ticket if I have to. And we just happen to oh, be that's in. that's great. And Bobby's a great guy. He rides a beautiful old shovel head and... Uh, he's just a fun, easygoing, you know, guy and immediately fit, fit with us. And he's become family very quickly and him and his dad now do the run every year. Um, that's killer. Yeah. And we were sitting, we were just catching up on the last day and, you know, talking about the rides we went on and stuff. And we were by the beer coolers and we were watching people at that point, a lot of people were generous and stopped and bought cases of beer to add to the pot for the last night <laughs> so you had all sorts sure. of brands floating around in there that were you know familiar favorites to most people we were watching two then three people come up and bob underneath all the familiar beers feeling for the sticker label on the custom <laughs> beer and they're like, oh i found one i found one and right. bobby's like well i think we can say the beer was a hit and i was like honestly bobby i think we might need more beer for next year he's like i think you might be right <laughs> right right so. I think a lot of people ended up, well, most people went to bed on time. So by the morning time, everybody was pretty sober again. There was Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we want beer, cold beer when people land. We provide dinner. This is Oregon. Uh, lead is recreationally, we, weed is recreationally legal here. Uh, so we provide right. joints as well. Um, and then some coffee and light breakfast in the morning uh, along with the campsite. So yeah. the idea being... You know, yeah. when you're on the road all day, we want people, we usually give them a good five or six hour long route to ride. We expect them to take eight to ten right. hours to do it, stop, see some things, etc., get gas, whatever. You know, after a long day, the last thing you want to do is try to figure out where dinner is going to be or find a store to stop at and buy beer. And so we just want to do, from the beginning, include all of that and make it as easy on them as possible right. once they got to camp. So Good for you. Well, on to the next one. Let's hear about it. <laughs> Run to the rock. Yeah, so about the time this podcast comes out, we'll be about a, exactly a month out uh, from our new event, Run nice. to the Rock. Uh, it's going to mm-hmm. be in Lapine, Oregon. This one is going to be a one-location campout, and uh, it's going to be... Mixing it up. Yep. Good for two you. Two nights, 
two nights, three days. Got a beautiful campsite. Uh, we're going to try to just maintain the vibe of the Oregon run and put our own spin on a one-location campout. So there'll be plenty of beautiful routes that we have planned out uh, ahead of time that, you know, people have access to uh, maps of and stuff. Cool. And obviously, because yeah. we try to keep riding at the forefront of everything we do. Yeah, we're going to be having 10 Barrel will be there uh, handing out beers for free until they run out again. Cool. And uh, huh, cool. we'll have a couple food trucks on cart on site so people don't have to be riding into town to eat, uh, make it easy. And then for the first time, we're including vendors um, in, in an actual event. So on the Oregon run, we're very upfront with our sponsors and raffle donation donors ahead of time that we don't put up signage. Um, you know, we don't put up big banners. There are no vendor booths. You know, we want it to feel like, you know, a gypsy style camp out. A lot of lip service, a lot of cool. Instagram ahead of time, but nothing on the actual run. Uh, this one's going to be a lot. Okay. This one's going to be different that way. And But we're being really uh, careful about vendors. We want well-made, handmade goods, uh, things with a long heritage, you know, so it's more interactive stuff. So we've lined up like a tintype nice. photographer. So he's going to be doing, uh, you know, wet exposure tintypes so people can get a photograph of them in their bike. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that right. old 1800s black and white style. And, uh, sepia. It's called Sepia yeah. Zone. Mm -hmm. Bit of useless, useless information, <laughs> you know, these days. But yeah, Sepia Zone. That's from old photograph days. I actually worked as a photographer through high school, uh, doing old time photos up in the local uh, community of Big Bear here. But anyway, Sepia Zone. No, it's classic, man. Absolutely classic. Who, who else you got showing up for vendors? Uh, right now, I'm talking to a friend of mine who is an amazing pinstriper. Um, I'm hoping to have him on board. Perfect. Being there available to pinstripe helmets and tanks on the spot. And then the rest of our uh, vendors, you know, real nice, like handmade artisan stuff. Um, uh, we've booked nice. uh, Howl Attire. She makes these gorgeous riding vests, uh, custom made to you. You choose the wax canvas outer, you choose the Pendleton material, wool inner, um, and then she makes it directly to your size. Nice. Things like that. So, wow. Uh, trying to make it a little more interactive. So and then Jupiter Hotel is coming. And setting up an outdoor living room for us. So we're going to have like nice. recliners and sofas <laughs> and side tables. Oh, that's yeah, great. So, oh, that'll be way better. Yeah, relaxing. if you don't want to be... So, yeah, this might be the time where I ask, uh, maybe I can donate a few books to say Yeah, that'd be absolutely. Prizes yeah, absolutely. We're going to try to do a little okay. raffle, uh, which will be great. Uh, it's always fun. You know, we're... Good. It's a month out. You know, tickets are selling, but we're not done planning yet. We're trying to pull every last trick out, out of our sleeves that we can. Well, I, I can imagine, uh, you know, number two of the events you're doing, you're going to try to start doing many more events up there in Oregon then in the near future? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the way this is headed. Good. Uh, yeah, when we launched the Oregon Run the first year, we booked the campsites. The second campsite limited us to 60 people total. And I thought, mm. yeah, we could probably we could probably find sixty people to do this with us. And we launched at the one show here in Portland, the big motorcycle show that happens in February. Oh, sure. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, February, early February, and by the end of end of February, early March, we had sold out, and I was blown away. And nice. so we started hunting a bigger nice. campsite, and we found one. 
And then the sky was the limit, and so we decided, okay, 85 people feels manageable, we think, having no idea. Right. Um, so we were able to put right. 25 more tickets on sale, and they sold out in just under two minutes. And so That's great. I think at that point, that was when you kind of realized, like, oh, okay, maybe we're on to something here. Maybe, maybe the right. need for this is greater than we had any idea or maybe even people knew they needed it, you know, until it was presented to them and they were like, Oh, this is what I've been missing. So yeah. And then the next year we grew it to 125 and then the next year, 150 and, and we're going to stay there. 150 is just the right number. Um, Oh, so if I I want a ticket this year, I better follow it on the gram and get the date just right and make sure I order it on time. We always put tickets on sale at 10 AM on a Sunday. Well, I'll definitely be watching out for that. Boy, you know it's it's kind of it's kind of madness, Adam. I mean, what what you're doing is 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 really kind of madness. So I I reckon it all had to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So um, I like a lot of people. My I got into motorcycling because of my dad. Um, nice. It's always the dads. Hail to the dads, man. Dads are awesome. But. I know mine got me involved. It's all his fault as well. So <laughs> Yeah, but unlike most people cool who tell stuff. that start us the story that way, uh, mine was completely different. My dad actually uh, never talked about motorcycles, was never into motorcycles, uh, no classic cars, wasn't mechanically inclined. Um, and it wasn't until, Jesus, I was in college. He was, uh, yeah. it was around the time, uh, I know exactly when, it was around the time uh, the first season of American Choppers uh, came out on Discovery That's Channel, great. and <laughs> my sure. dad just honed in on it. And at first, I thought it was because of the fighting between Paul Senior and Paul Junior, because we had had a tumultuous relationship uh, that we were just starting to work on and fix. And so I thought that was like sure. maybe some level of familiarity. And but uh, then one night, I mean, he was obsessed, like. The show would come out on, like, whatever night it came on, and then they'd run the rerun the next night, and he would tune in and watch it. And then, like, two nights after that, it would be on again, and he'd come across it, and he'd watch it again. And, like, you know, like, three, four times in a week before the next one would come out. And one night he was home alone with my mom, and she was doing uh, work on her computer, and he was watching the show. And at a commercial break, he just randomly made the comment, you know, I've always wanted to do that. And my mom stopped typing and looked up and went, you've always wanted to build a motorcycle? And he was like, no, I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle. Ever since I was like five years old, I wanted a Harley Davidson. And my wife, my mom was like, we had just celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary. My mom goes, really? Like you've never said anything. He's like, oh, I thought, you know, it would be dangerous. You would say it's dangerous or it's dumb or grow up and whatever. And she was like, She's like, no, man, you're a grown-ass man. If you want to ride a motorcycle, ride a fucking motorcycle. Like, oh, that's fine. Amen. So, uh, yeah, Amen. and so we signed him up for, we got him, yeah, signed him up for the motorcycle safety course in Illinois. And leading up to it, uh, my mom got all nervous because she was reading the curriculum and saw that it was, in Illinois, it was Thursday night, Friday night, then all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And... She was like, I kind of feel like this is saying, like, happy Father's Day, go spend four days by yourself. (laughs) And I'd always had uh, an interest in mechanical things and no outlet for it. Um, I, you know, had a friend teach me how to drive stick shift because it seemed like an important thing to know how to do. So I volunteered. I was, yeah, so I volunteered. Like, I was like, "I'll, I'll go with him. And my mom was like, really? And she's like, you want to ride motorcycles? I was like, no, I don't know if I have any interest in motorcycles, but it's something with an engine. It's a different way of shifting. It, it 
can't hurt to know how to ride one. And uh, in Illinois, the oh, yeah. safety course is only $20. So my mom, okay. So my mom signed the two of us up for the last class in October. Uh, it was like the only one that had any spots left. And so, I yeah, imagine. like the last one of the whole riding season. And uh, we got closer to the date and he had a really important work trip that took him out of town that weekend. And so uh, in the meantime, over the winter, our local Harley uh, dealership, started the rider's edge program so you could go to the dealership and learn to ride with the same instructors as the safety course so we signed up for that one because oh, we cool. could get in on the very first class of the next season and uh yeah so we spent right. you spent you know four days a long weekend together uh learning how to ride motorcycles and man were we hooked and you didn't kill each other at all <laughs> we yeah. were hooked so oh, we bought a. Oh man, that's yeah. Great. So uh, right after the class was done, he bought a Sportster twelve hundred custom, and we would literally race each other home. We worked on opposite ends of town, to about equal distance from the house, and we get off work at the same time, huh. and we would race across town to beat the other one home because the first one to get a leg over the bike got the first ride, and the first ride usually didn't oh, end till about hilarious. 10, 11 o'clock at night, and so the other one just had to that's wait right. up, and wait up we would. If it was my turn, I would wait up, and I'd go out, for, still go out for a couple of hours, and same with him, so oh my gosh. about a month after that, we went to some demo day, we went to a demo day, and he fell in love with a Road King, and we were supposed to trade the Sportster in on the Road King, and I came home from work the day, the Road King was being delivered and opened the garage, and my parents were both standing there, and the Road King was there, and the Sportster was sitting next to it. And I, like an idiot, I got out of the car and was like, wait, why didn't they take the Sportster? And right. uh, <laughs> my dad was like, well, your mom and I looked at the numbers and the difference in the payment, uh, like the, the little bit of difference in payment didn't seem to justify having to race you home every day to ride the bike. So from that day right. forward... We'd race home to be home as fast as possible, and then we'd get on the bikes together, and we would take off, and that was together every, pretty awesome. much every freaking night for an entire summer, and then on from there. So that's great. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that's a wonderful thing. I know myself riding with my pops, we could ride all day and only have to talk to each other for twenty, thirty minutes, you know, at the gas stops and whatnot, and it was great just to spend that time and not not have enough time to argue about anything, you know, whatever it may be. So it's pretty quality dad, son time. I'd been going through a lot personally in and out of college. Um, I'd been diagnosed with depression that I'd been fighting. I'd gone through an outpatient program because it had gotten really bad. And, you know, my dad and I had started working on our relationship through that. But then uh, once the motorcycles were introduced and we had this thing to do together and this one thing that we really loved, but we, it finally gave us something in common and a touchstone to talk about that made right. conversation and stuff easier. And then, and having that full support from my father, um, working through those hard times, you know, uh, and, and feeling open to be able to talk to him about it and all. Like I always knew I had his support always growing up, no matter how much we weren't getting along, yeah. I'd get a speeding ticket. I'd go home and be like, damn it. I get yelled at for like half an hour and then be like, <laughs> okay, this is how we're going to fix it. You know, first thing in the morning, yeah. I'll call the lawyer, you know, you're going to have to pay for it, but blah, 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 you know, like, and he would get me through it. And so I always knew he had my back, but you know, mental illness is a little different and it's a little, at first it's a lot harder to talk about, you know, so just having yeah, these rides yeah. and, and, and just having something to talk about all the time made, you know, those conversations so much easier. And I actually have, right. um, 
actually have a tattoo now on my uh, inner left wrist. Uh, it's a bar and shield, but in the bar and shield it says saved by motorcycles. Um, Perfect. Because I was. Like, it really turned the tide, and shortly after that I met, uh, around that time I was dating Jess, and really was able to turn the tide on that, and, you know, eventually, and we, so we ended up with a great relationship and getting married and now we have a kid, a kid and, you know, and the run and yeah. the new run. And so, yeah, and it, it really all, it was like a really huge turning point personally for me in my life going from a downhill track to an uphill track um, was, was riding motorcycles as therapy and motorcycles for giving me my father back basically. Um, so... Yeah. Well, and, and that that's wonderful, and you bring up some great points about that. Um, there's a lot of things families do do together and families don't do together. I know for me, you know, I'm a big land speed racer, and we haven't been land speed racing this year uh, locally because El Mirage, the lake bed where we usually land speed mm-hmm. race, has just been trashed. But it's what, you know, it's what we do as a family, and uh, I really, even though I'm busy going fast, you know, I'm in a racing club, I'm rocking all that stuff. It's it's what I did with my dad and my son, and now I just do it with my son. And it cost me several thousands of dollars a year, but I reckon it'd be no different than if we had, you know, X amount of quads and a big camper and went out to Glamis or something crazy like that, like like a lot of, I know people do here in Southern California. So, you know, what whatever it takes, and, and we all come from different walks of life as well. You know, whether it's different things we're dealing with in life. And I go through a lot of it, you know, in my book and stuff I do get to deal with as a middle-aged man, uh, you know, with children and, and, and uh, you know, everything. Everything adds up. So um, I'm glad you and I can can agree and share on that, that yes, yeah. well, and I mentioned can absolutely save you. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier how having uh, Sophia, my daughter, was really that... Uh, kick in the pants to move forward with this event, which at the time was right. is entirely counterintuitive. Like, oh, we're dealing with a newborn. This is when I should plan a motorcycle event. My surprisingly, my wife was like, "Go for Start it!" You young. know, <laughs> like we're not busy <laughs> right. enough, but whatever. But you know, that right, was the impetus right. was, you know, we were starting to grow this little community of people, and I wanted to grow that bigger and stronger because I knew what it could be for her growing up in it. Here we are four years later, and, you know, after a couple years of the run, we started doing moto family dinners. So once a month, we open our, our the doors up to our house. I make a bunch of spaghetti, and everybody in and around interested in the motorcycle community is open. It's an open invite to all of them, and we just hang out. And sure, there's a lot of talk about bikes, and sometimes there's not that much talk about bikes, but it's that one, you know, common thread that brings us all together is riding, and so she is growing up in a much bigger family than just the two of us out here. And, um, you know, she comes down to the garage when I'm working on, you know, doing maintenance on the Harley or working on the 650 project. And, you know, she likes being down in the garage. So as she gets older, I give her more tasks, turning a wrench and whatever, you know, and it's, it's just how I want her to grow up. I want her to, I want her to grow up in it and hopefully find some joy in it and a love for it. But if not, it's not going to hurt like to grow up with a butt, no, like you're right. 20 people who love her to death who would do anything for her it's not a bad way to right. grow up at all no i completely agree i'm i'm raising my son in a very similar fashion that kid can rip apart a carburetor faster than he can assemble some legos i mean he's just <laughs> he just rocks it and he knows what to do he's a crew chief of our race team so he's got a list and he writes it all down and 
he knows this has to happen and that has to happen, which is pretty funny. I know uh, the way land speed racing works, I like to compare it to trying to launch a boat. You know, you're all waiting in line to go. And when we get X amount, when we get like 60 feet from the starting line, he's not allowed to put his foot on the ground because he's under 16. So he ends up like climbing all over my excursion, you know, in and out of it, every direction to get stuff to make stuff happen, whatever it may be. And, you know, I'm only on course for a few minutes, but then after that, we're ripping back into the bike, uh, whatever it may be. And so it, it, I think if nothing else, it gives them great ambition, want, desire, drive, and example on whether to have, to have summer work when they're going to college or decide on a career path and something engineering related, they, they can look at something and go, well, I know how this works because I've seen it taken apart. And I reckon a car is not very different or a building's not very different or all these things that are around us. It really comes down to relationship with stuff. And your daughter, similar to my son, is going to have great relationships with the stuff around them. Yeah, and it's the community too. You know, like she'll mm. get to a point where she finally gets to come on the Oregon run. But I, it's important for me that she grows up understanding that, you know, her uncles and her aunts are extremely responsible people who take care of business and life, you know, uh, even though they may be covered in tattoos and wear leather right. and look a little different and you ride a different vehicle. But like at the same time, right. like they get, they party and they party hard and that's okay. Like I want her to know, like having fun in life is a very important skill to learn. Like there I don't want her growing up thinking that she's going to be stuck in a cubicle for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't want to force yeah, her sitting into a new smoking. Yeah. yeah I, I want her to know that taking time for yourself, doing something that you truly love, truly enjoy blowing off some steam, you know, is totally perfectly acceptable and, and, a, and something to value as long as you're a good, kind, stand up person. Very responsible. And yeah. yeah. And she's, and I, I that, think she lives that by one. example every day. Oh, I completely agree. No, we're we're very lucky in the motorcycle communities, I think, to have our little niche of people. You know, for me, it's more racing people, I think, than, than riding people locally. A lot of my friends are all over the country, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm glad to hear and know you got that nice little niche. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's good, though. But there's always phones, too. You know, I, I was talking to Curtis earlier today. Mr. Curtis Morgan and I hadn't chatted with him and I don't think I've talked to him since the Oregon run. Yeah. Since we were, uh, you know, hanging out at his pad doing cool chopper shit. I think we were watching Bob Ross and playing with our computers, but <laughs> regardless, you know, it was, uh, it was good to chat with him and, and he was, uh, you know, chasing the little one around at a bookstore. So I said, so we just chatted for two or three minutes, caught up on some stuff and, went back at it but it, you know it's great to know i got a friend in new york i can call or in your case a friend in oregon or wherever it may be exactly yeah and because of the run i mean curtis uh yeah now being in new york friend in new york through him uh one of his good friends who lives in massachusetts um and friends now all up and down california uh all through washington up into vancouver british columbia you know every year right right that that network of friends grows wider and wider across the country and i look forward to those times when sos is old enough to ride on the back of the bike long distances and take cross country trip where they're camping and stopping in on friends along the way and amen her realizing that like you know she has she has secondary extended family everywhere well, let's get your uh, let's get your Instagrams and handles one more time so people can uh, follow you in your dot coms. Yeah, 
Uh, so for Oregon Run, it's at Oregon Run, O-R-Y-G-U-N-R-U-N. Uh, Oregon Run on Facebook or OregonRun.com for the website. Uh, definitely follow the Instagram nice. if you have any interest in going. Tickets do sell out fast, so be be prepared for that Sunday That's at 10 a.m. Right. <laughs> um, for Run to the Rock, it's at Run to the Rock um, or Run to the Rock on Facebook, and then Run to the Rock dot com on online. Uh, tickets are still on sale for that one uh, as well. It's gonna it has the uh, potential to be a much bigger event where we are allowed a lot more people because it's one location. We don't have to move you all. Uh, we, right. we don't have to limit it to such a small number. So, yeah. What's the date on that? So that's September 6th through September 8th in Lapine, Oregon. It's uh, southern yes. cent- southern Oregon, so a uh, pretty easy ride from northern California, uh, a good Perfect. ride from Washington, Idaho, Utah. So, yeah. So if you're listening and you want to come see a little bit of what we do, um, please come out to Run to the Rock and check us out. And, yeah, we'll give you the lowdown on Oregon Run in detail if you want it and those are the Instagrams and dot coms, as it were. <laughs> Adam, I appreciate you being on the said podcast here today and filling us full of information and good times. Oh, uh, you really need to pat yourself on the back and be proud of yourself. I, You're doing good things. Thank you. Uh, and we definitely have after such a successful year four and looking forward to a spectacular year five and the new event and the future that this could hold for us uh, as, in terms of doing events. So, uh, And yeah. on that note, really quickly, I'd like to say to anybody listening, uh, if you're sad or bummed or disappointed in there not being any cool events in your area and you've been thinking maybe you're the person to start it up, if you're looking for some advice or some input or whatever, uh, always feel free to email us, info at oregunrun.com. Um, Jess and I are more than happy to lend what little bit of knowledge we've picked up over the last four years, uh, a little guidance or even just a word of encouragement because... It doesn't have to be as involved as what we do, but if people aren't right. starting events, there aren't going to be any new events. So it's just something uh, we've that's a good one, man. Wanted to put out there. I get to hang out with other writers, uh, other podcasters, uh, other racers, other you know chop builders, rebuilders, as I like to say, you know whatever it may be. No, it's always important to do good philanthropy work and pass it on. Well, Adam, I very much appreciate you. Have a good evening, sir. I very much appreciate you too, Mr. Bob Marshall. Glad you enjoyed today's podcast. The book, American Roadrunner, can be found on the website at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. Also on Amazon, search American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall. And, of course, available in most digital formats. Find it on eBay and at ChopCult at the online store, ChopCult.com. Find us on Instagram, American Roadrunner, all one word. Keep up with us on Facebook, American Roadrunner. This has been your host, Bob Marshall, fellow wrencher, rider, adventure seeker, racer, storyteller, and author of the book, American Roadrunner. Music is brought to you by Meek. Their song, Here We Are, off their album Red Sprite Lightning, Meek. Until next time, keep the rubber side down and enjoy your road. <laughs>